0: This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning, Christian Chapel. How are we doing? Good, good, good. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Pastor Kay, and I am the new youth pastor here at Christian Chapel, Tulsa. And I'm so excited to be here today. As a matter of fact, I'm so excited that you guys are here today. Amen. Amen. That's all right. Give a hand for yourselves. I'm glad that you guys are here today. You guys looking good. You look great. You look great. All right. So listen, if you're online watching us today at home or wherever you are, we just want to welcome you as well. We're so glad that you are joining us today as well. So, like I said, I am actually the new youth pastor here at Christian Chapel, Tulsa, and I'm so grateful to have this opportunity. Hey, uh, Pastor Chris, if you're watching um, while you're on vacation, tell the family I said, what's up, all right? So, tell them I said, hey, how's it going? Uh, It's good to be here. Um, So, I know that we've been actually in a summer series uh, talking about Chosen um, in the book of First Peter. But today I'm just going to take a quick uh, detour, um, if that's okay with you. But before I do that, do you mind if I pray? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to be here today. I pray, God, that the words that would come out of my mouth would be from you, straight from heaven, God. I pray, God, that these would be words that would heal, deliver, and set free. I ask, God, that today somebody would have a changed life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, like i said i 'm um, so glad to be here, but I was actually given the task an opportunity uh, to tell my story um, tell my story a little bit, and uh, talk about a little bit of my vision for Christian chapel youth um, but I actually Want to talk about somebody else besides myself? Um, yeah, I, I actually want to talk about a man named Joseph. All right, there's a man named Joseph in the Bible, and the reason why I want to talk about him is because I feel like I connect. With Joseph. I feel like, you know, we're buddies. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like there's, there's something there that, you know, ties us together. Um, actually, there's a particular uh, characteristic of his that I feel that strongly ties us together. And that characteristic is the characteristic of faith. Faith. That's right. It was faith that allowed me to travel all the way from South Florida, 1,400 miles away, to come to Christian Chapel, Tulsa, where I don't know anybody, but we came, amen? (laughs) I'm so glad to be here. I came with my beautiful wife and uh, my, my kids, my mother. We're here all the way from Florida, and that is because of faith, amen? So if we were to actually do a character study on Joseph, right? We would find that in the Bible, he is one of the most highly regarded patriarchs. Um, for the uh, well, with the exception of um, well, Jesus being you know our Savior, but <laughs> but but yeah, but really, we find that Joseph is a type of Jesus. He is a type of Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor K? What do you mean that he's a type of Jesus? Well. Joseph actually parallels, his story parallels with Jesus, and we find that Joseph has 13 chapters written about him, which is a lot, okay? That's a lot of chapters. There's um, so many different books, um, kings, judges, prophets, all these uh, different men and women of God that don't get this much attention in Scripture, Right? But actually, Joseph lived 110 years, and through this whole entire lifespan, he exemplifies honesty, integrity, faithfulness, patience, grace, restraint, uh, wrongs, assaults, um, things that were so undeserving, and some things that were deserving. But from the time he was 17 years old as a youth, okay, he has found himself okay, to be a man of God, all right? And so God draws our attention, okay, to a single event in his life that we will talk about in a few moments, all right? Now, the the attention that God draws to this part of his life is at the very end of his life, and I would consider this to be one of the most important events in his entire life. So if you have your Bibles... I'm going to actually take your bibles out. If you have your phones, pull your Bible app out. Whatever you got, pull it out right now, okay? And we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 22. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 22. All right? If you found it, say I got it. All right? If you don't find if you didn't find it, say wait, hold up. Wait a minute, okay? Waiting on you. And if you don't have a Bible, Or if you don't have a Bible app, you can look at the screens and it will be on there for you. All right? Well, let's get started. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, Pastor K, what in the world... Did you decide to talk about today with Joseph talking about not forgetting his bones? And how can this be the most important event in his life? Well, we see that throughout Joseph's life, he was a very faithful person. And we know that he lived a very long life. But this is what God decides out of all the things that happens to Joseph to make an example out of, in the book of Hebrews. As a matter of fact, Joseph is more important in this verse than any other thing, because God is making mention to the fact that Joseph had faith that transcended time's horizons. At that time, when he talked about this, He was talking about his faith. Now this verse reads that Joseph made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. And so it says that at the time, though Joseph was still in position of a high power, he was still enthroned as second in command of Pharaoh. All his family had already came to Egypt. He was in a good place. But he thought about something that would transcend where his current state of life was. He thought about eternity. He thought and remembered about the promises of God to the children of Israel. He knew that one day there would come a time that the children of Israel would leave the land of Egypt and go to the promised land. And so he says, make me a promise that when that day comes, and I can't be here anymore, that you'll take my bones to the promised land. And so we see that Joseph has a faith that is persistent even beyond his life. Now, we look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and we know that book as the book of faith, it's the chapter of faith in the Bible. Right? And so Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 20 to 22, um, we're given portraits of three different characters in that, that little excerpt. We find out about Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. But we see that through all of these three men that are mentioned, Joseph was mentioned because of his persistent faith. Now, let's look at the fact. That Joseph had a long life, but within his long life he faced adversities, he faced temptations, disappointments, success, prosperity. But no matter what, the wonderful thing is that faith persisted throughout it all. So obviously you can tell that today's sermon title is Persistent Faith, right? Now... If possible, I'd encourage you guys to read the entire story of Joseph because it's an extremely good story. And it's from Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis 50. Read it all at one time because you don't want to break it up, all right? It's it's too good to stop reading anyways, all right? So when you get a chance in your own time, read that story. Now, it's so striking to me that Joseph is such a type of Jesus, There are seven things that foreshadowed in his life that makes me say that Joseph was a type of Jesus. And I'm going to read those seven things off to you. So if you have a pen and paper and you would like to take notes, you can pull that out now. If you got a phone, pull out your little notepad on your phone and let's take some notes, okay? So here we go. Number one, Joseph was especially loved by his father, as was Jesus. Okay? Number two. Joseph was hated and sold by his brethren or his brothers, as was Jesus, sold by Judas, right? Number three, Joseph was unjustly condemned, as was Jesus, by the Pharisees. Number four, Joseph was raised to a position of great power and authority, as was Jesus. Number five, Joseph became a blessing to the Gentiles and took a Gentile bride as Jesus has taken us as Gentiles to be the bride of Christ. Number six, Joseph revealed his identity to his brethren and so will Jesus reveal his identity to us. Number seven, Joseph assured his brothers of his unchanging love, just as Jesus has assured us of his unchanging love. Now, today I have seven points that I want to talk about, and um, I didn't pick seven because that's God's perfect number, or for some super spiritual reason, I just picked seven just because, all right, that's, that's what I observed, all right? Okay, so we're going to talk about these seven things today, and um, I might give some scriptural references here or there so you can read that in your devotional time, okay? So Hebrews eleven twenty-two. this verse refers to the end of Joseph's life, but at the same time, it sums up his life in an entirety, and we find that this is based on the principle of persistent faith. So what can we say today about persistent faith? Well, point number one, persistent faith is not shaken by adversity. Persistent faith is not shaken by adversity. Now, like I said, read the story at home. So you can get to know the story for yourself, right? But we're not going to read Genesis 37 to 50 today. That is too long, all right? Okay, cool. So we'll go through, we'll summarize, and you guys will get a good uh, story about what's going on here. All right, so Genesis chapter 37, going to verse 3. We read that Joseph was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Joseph was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. And guess what? Jacob decides to... Make it known. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to make you a jacket that looks so good. It's going to be full of colors. And guess what? It's going to be a fine linen. You know, it's going to be real expensive. And, and, and just because I want to, you to know that I love you, I'm going to make this jacket for you. So he gives Joseph this jacket. And when he gives Joseph this jacket, Joseph being the youngest son at the time, you know, he decided that he would spend a lot more time with his dad. Well, while his brothers were out tending the field... Jacob tells Joseph, hey, go make sure your brothers are doing what they need to do. You know, he wasn't being nosy. He was just doing what he was told. And so Joseph's walking along to find his brothers. And as his brothers see this shiny rainbow-filled coat walking (laughs) towards them, they are looking at him like, oh, my God, here comes Joseph. Jesus Christ. (laughs) All right, right. So you can feel the hate towards Joseph at this time. You can feel that they really despised their own brother. Hate was so far, so far away, just looking at a distance, they could see him walking towards them, and they plotted, how can we get rid of him? How can we kill him? How can we we make him disappear? And so Joseph is faced with adversity. And first, one of his brothers, Reuben, decides, hey, when he comes, we're going to throw him in the pit. Reuben goes off. They throw Joseph in the pit. And guess what? Judah says, as a real Jew would say, let's sell him and make some money. Yeah, so <laughs> you got to think about this. This is, this is crazy, right? So, so now he's, he's, he's thrown into the pit by his brothers. His brothers want to sell him. And guess what? Joseph is then sold into slavery. But here's the thing. Joseph at that time had experienced so much adversity at a very young age. He experienced hate from his own family for the fact that he had a dream and told them, Hey, uh, I had a dream that that one day I would would be there and and that the sun and the moon and the stars would all bow to me. It wasn't something that he himself wanted to happen. It was just a dream he had. But sometimes God shows us things and we shouldn't tell anybody. Shut your mouth, okay? Throw away the key, (laughs) zip it, just zip it, all right? Because from then on, we see not only hate rise up in his family towards him, but we see him cast into a pit. We see him sold into slavery. And so much adversity has taken place in his life already at just the tender age of 17, and so, what do we see? As Joseph is sold into slavery, he becomes Potiphar's slave. And such inexperience would shake any one of our faiths if we had to go through anything as close as what Joseph went to. If we ourselves were hated by our families, maybe we would lose faith in God. If we ourselves were just thrown away Never to be remembered again, maybe we'd lose our faith in God as well. If we ourselves were then sold for money, maybe we'd lose our faith in God. But here's the thing. Joseph had so many tears. I'm I'm pretty sure he was homesick and, and sorrowful and distressed. But the beautiful thing about this entire story so far Is that God says to Joseph, I, the Lord, am with you. And the trend that I've seen throughout the entire Bible is the fact that every man and woman of God, when faced with adversity, is encouraged by God. That I, the Lord God, am with you. And so some of us are faced with adversity and we need a reminder that I The Lord God am with you. Um, On my grandfather's uh, passing moments, uh, a few days before he passed, I I didn't know when he would pass. And so I just made it a point of my duty to be there with him um, because he he raised me. And so I went to him and I, I really just wanted to have a conversation with him before he left. And, uh, man, I was expecting this great prophecy or something. I thought he was going to tell me, man, you're going you're to you're go all over the world and, like, travel. And God's going to give you all types of money and everything. I didn't get any of that, okay? <laughs> That's not what happened. But, in fact, what happened was he told me some simple words, but the most powerful words in my entire life. He said, son, God is with you. And I held those words as dear as I could. Because those words reminded me as I read in Scripture that no matter what adversity I face, that the fact that the favor of God is in my life would carry me through any form of adversity. And the fact that the favor of God is in your life, would carry you through any form of adversity. As a matter of fact, there's a term that says that you're a product of your environment. And can I tell you that I grew up in the hood, y'all? I really did. And so, you know, based on statistics, I should be incarcerated, dead, or selling drugs or something like that, okay? But guess what? I'm not. I'm here at Christian Chapel as the youth pastor. (laughs) Here's the beautiful thing. My dad wasn't around in my life so I didn't see a proper family structure but here I am with a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids. As a matter of fact, nobody in my family could finish college and God allowed me to go to a four-year university and graduate. Wouldn't you say that's facing some adversity and being persistent in faith? What a great story of how persistent faith can go through adversity because you're not the product of your environment. Your faith isn't based on that. Persistent faith isn't shaken by adversity. And so that brings me to point number two, that persistent faith isn't spoiled by success or prosperity either. Persistent faith isn't spoiled by success. Joseph makes his way to Potiphar's house as a slave, and then in turn comes around and becomes second in command at Potiphar's house. Check that out. And everything is going really good for him. Some of us have had success in our jobs, our careers. I mean, we've had some real financial success. We've had some real serious success. It's the easiest time to lose your faith. How? I'm successful. How can I lose my faith? Well, the truth is, sometimes when we become successful or we prosper financially, we lose our dependency on God. And the same faith that we had to bring us through the adversity to get us to success, it dwindles down a little bit. It's not as strong, maybe. But throughout the time that Joseph is now brought to power, he still doesn't lose his faith. As a matter of fact, his faith grows stronger in God. His faith grows stronger in God. Remember, here's the thing. Our full dependency and faith has to be in God, as children of God. The question is, how? If our full dependency and faith should always be in God, especially when we're successful and prosperous, how do we not lose track of that? How do we gauge that? Where are we we looking at the gauge on the scale to figure out how to maintain our faith through our success, through our careers, through uh, reaching or attaining our goals? The fact is, is that Joseph became the prime minister in Egypt. And as he was exalted in the position throughout his entire success, he continues to attribute all of his success to God. And so never think that your success is attributed only to you. But your success is attributed because of your faith in God. And so as he is, is there and doing God's will and he's just, everything's good, I'm telling you, that as Joseph was there in attributing his success to God, the Bible says that Joseph was a man that was extremely handsome. He said that he was handsome with good form and good appearance. That means Joseph had six-pack abs, a nice chest, a good arm game. You know, he had it going on. His face was good. He was just a real good-looking man. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says he was handsome in appearance and form. All right. He was, he was, he had it. Joseph had it. Okay? But here's the thing. Potiphar's wife, his wife saw this man and her jaw dropped. Uh, Joseph, so handsome. I'm telling you that as Joseph was there one day working in the house, I mean, she had to have him. And she's... Making passes at him, making passes at him. Joseph's like, hey, man, how can I do this to Potiphar? He's been so good to me. I could never do something like this. And so that brings me to my next point, that persistent faith isn't moved by subtle temptation. Persistent faith isn't moved by subtle temptation. We look at the life of Jesus, and Jesus was tempted three times, back to back. And Joseph is tempted now because I'm sure if it's Potiphar's wife, she was probably fine too, all right? I know she was not an ugly woman. I'm pretty sure she was good looking, all right? So we have to remember that the devil is always on a warpath seeking to consume who he may devour. That's what the Scripture says. But guess what? No matter what, as children of God, we face The temptation, we don't have to fall into it. Because every time Jesus is tempted, he's able to resist the temptations of the enemy. And see, the glorious thing is that Joseph, in Genesis 39, verse 9, he thinks over this real carefully. He's like, man, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it? Should I not do it? What am I going to do? But Joseph decides I'm going to run out of here even if I got to run out of here with my clothes off. And so he takes this really nice garment that he has on and he runs out and guess what? Potiphar's wife is left with just Joseph's clothes. All right, this nice garment that he had on, almost like a jacket. Something about these jackets, I don't know why Joseph keeps wearing these beautiful jackets, but it is not doing good for him. He needs to figure something else out, all right? So she she she, she leaves he leaves her with just a shiny garment, the Bible calls it. A nice garment, a beautiful garment. And he gets out of there. He thought about it. He's like, man, I can't do this. Potiphar's been too good to me. God's been too good to me. I can't fall into the temptation. And that brings me to point number four that persistent faith isn't disturbed by false accusations. Because as Joseph runs away, he's left with Potiphar's wife having his clothes, his garments. And she decides that this has to be substantial evidence. Something about this garment, like, even with his brothers, like, they have his coat of many colors. And they say, let's take this coat as substantial evidence. That he was eaten by an animal so we're gonna dip this in some some goat blood or something and just tear it up and just make it look real like bad so when we go to our dad here's the proof and and so when when Potiphar's wife is left with the clothes she's like here's the proof I'm crying out Joseph was here he was trying to he was trying to make a mockery of us and and he was in here trying to come after me and 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 here's the proof but sometimes just because there seems to be substantial evidence Doesn't mean it's true. And so we find that as he is falsely and unjustly accused, Joseph has now been placed in the prison. But as he's placed in the prison after successfully resisting this fine woman, all right, he's thrown into the dungeon, bound up, and he finds favor with the head jail keeper can you believe this the fact is is that Joseph had so much favor on his life that no matter where he went he kept finding himself in high position and he didn't know it all along but God just kept pushing him closer closer and closer and closer and closer to the palace he had no idea but God had a plan here's the thing His faith was so persistent, even in jail, that when he's there, he meets these two men that worked in the palace. And as they worked in the palace, one was a butler and one was a a, a wine um, bearer. And he interprets their dreams because they're having dreams and they're so confused as to what the dreams mean. But he's like, listen, man, I'm a man of God. Tell me what the dreams are. I'm going to tell you what it means. Okay? So they tell him the dream. He interprets the dream. And then he says to them, hey, just do me one favor. After I tell you what this dream means, if you make it back to the palace, just please don't forget about me. Okay? Don't don't forget me. And they're like, man, of course, Joseph, man, you you, real deal, man. I I got your back. Like, we're in this together. We're all in this together. You know? He's got him. But I got to tell you, the butler gets back and completely forgets about Joseph. And that brings me to point number five. That persistent faith isn't destroyed by broken promises. Because the promise that the butler gave Joseph was broken. He had forgotten about him. He made it back all the way to the palace and completely forgot about Joseph. We make this point today because many of us have had our faith tested in this exact way where, you know, people have promised us things and we haven't seen them fulfill those promises. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that that's happened to. Some people have broken promises to me and I'm sure they've broken promises to you as well. But regardless of all of that, isn't it kind of crazy that in some way, shape, or form that throughout Joseph's life we can see all these things that have happened to us are things that still happen to us? Okay, I'll give you an example for myself, right? I was in the seventh grade, and I was terribly unathletic. I sucked at sports really, really bad. I was just terrible, okay? But I lived with my grandparents, and I just wanted to find a way out of the house. So I had to do something to get out of the house. So I was like, I'm going to play basketball, and I'm going to just get out of here, okay? So I tried out for the basketball team, and I I, I went really hard. But I got to tell you that I did not make the basketball team, okay? as a matter of fact, I didn't make the basketball team, but I was the water boy, Okay. All right. So horrible. All right. But the coach told me that if I was practicing with them, he said, hey, I'll let you practice with us. And, uh, but you got to be the water boy. But if you start to practice well enough by the second half of the season, I'll put you on the team. I'm like, man, I could do that. So I'm practicing really hard, man. And Throughout me practicing really hard, I was facing some adversity, okay, because the teenagers can be so cruel. I was was there, and the kids would sing to me this song from the movie Water Boy. They would say, water sucks, it really, really sucks. Water sucks, it really, really sucks. Gatorade's better than water. I'm like, and so throughout all of that, I was like, yo, I'm not worried about y'all, man. I'm going to just keep doing my thing. Coach already told me. That if I practice well enough, second half of the season, I'm on the team. So I practiced real hard. I thought I was getting better. But guess what? The whole season went past, and I didn't make the team. Would you know that that seventh grade summer, I went to this basketball court by my house every day and practiced hard and just by myself and just kept practicing and practicing and practicing. And by eighth grade, when fall came around, I grew from 5'7 to 5'11". Man, we had a brand new coach, and guess what? I not only made the team, but I started, and we were one of the best teams in school history. I'm not making this up. This is a real story, y'all, all All right? (laughs) Now, throughout all of that, you had to realize that even though there was a promise given to me that was broken, my faith that was so persistent transcended the broken promise, and I... Did my part. I just kept working at it because I knew that one day something had to change. And for Joseph, he knew that even though the promise had been broken to him, something had to change for his life. His faith persisted and he trusted God even in prison. And that brings me to my next point. That persistent faith isn't influenced by human reasoning. Well, you see, Joseph actually gets to the palace because one day it clicked. You know, Pharaoh was having a dream, and he's like, man, I need somebody to interpret my dreams, and all these guys that are supposed to be, like, helping me, they're not. He's like, man, what am I going to do? And the butler remembers him. And it's like, oh, there's this dude that interpreted my dream. Like, come on, dude, you didn't remember that a couple years ago. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, Pharaoh's like bring him up. He brings him up and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. He tells him this dream and there's a, there's a problem, but not only is there a problem, but Joseph has a solution. The favor of God has given Joseph the ability to interpret these dreams and solve the problem. Joseph's cast into this position of power where he's the second in command to Pharaoh and everybody else under him has to obey him. He went from the pit to the palace inch by inch. I mean God was just pushing him along. He's like, "Go ahead, Joseph, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're going up. You don't even know it. Just keep fighting, man. Keep your faith going." The fact is is that our faith sometimes is challenged. It's challenged in the fact that we don't believe what we don't see. But the truth is as a Christian What makes you different from anybody else is the fact that you believe in a God that you don't see. As a matter of fact, I mean, I I remember there being an apostle by the name of uh, of Peter. And and Peter was so encouraged in his faith that he did something that made no sense. According to human reasoning, you cannot walk on water. But Peter decides, I'm going to walk on water today, Jesus. So here we go. And Peter walks on water according to human reasoning, logical reasoning that makes sense. You cannot walk on water, okay? I taught high school science for three years, so according to physics, you just can't walk on water, all right? But Peter has so much faith risen in him that he decides to walk on water. Sometimes our human reasoning, our human logic doesn't click with faith. But sometimes faith doesn't make sense, it makes faith. Faith doesn't make sense sometimes. It makes faith. And as a matter of fact, sometimes you can't hear it. Sometimes you can't see it. You got to hear it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As a matter of fact, when God spoke into the darkness, everything had to listen to it and obey the word of God. And so if faith cometh by hearing, then we find Jesus saying, Blessed is the man that hath never seen me, but he hath believed. Because you believed in Jesus, and because of your faith in Jesus, through grace, you're saved. And we find that it is correct for us not to completely rely on our human reasoning when we have faith. Because... We see Joseph now in a position of power with his siblings now coming during this famine. They don't know that it's him that is in this position of power, and they need food. Now, if it was me and my brothers and sisters threw me in a pit, when I got the chance, we fighting straight up. Like, you're going to have to fight me, okay? No, Joseph doesn't see all of that. He looks past that. And as a matter of fact, Joseph says... You know, even though you threw me in the pit, it wasn't your fault. Even though you sold me into slavery, it wasn't your fault. You know, even though you pretended that I was dead, it wasn't your fault. You know, this was all God. Like, what? Are you serious? That makes no human sense, okay? That is not logical. Because they did do it. But the truth is, is that Joseph says to them, That throughout all of this, it was God's doing. This was a part of God's plan. This entire thing was a part of God's plan for me to be here. He knew that one day that I would come and help save you guys. And so that dream that he had where they had bowed to him and he helped them, it came to pass. His faith was persistent even when it didn't make human sense. All things work together for the good to them that are loved by God and are called according to his purpose. And that brings me to my last point. That persistent faith isn't limited by time's horizons. And so we talked about all of Joseph's life just to build up to this last point. The kind of faith that looks beyond time. The constraints of living and then dying and looking into eternity. Because before he was even close to dying, Joseph was really healthy as a matter of fact. And his family was doing really well. You know what happens? Joseph then goes and makes a statement. He says, remember that one day you guys are going to leave. So when you leave here, take my bones with you. And that is the greatest moment of faith in Joseph's life. Why? Because at that moment, his faith wasn't dependent on what he could see. But his faith was persistent on something that would outlive him. Some of us in here have a hard time with fear. With depression, with anxiety, with so many things, with so many forms of adversity, sickness, uh, 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 um, um, thoughts that we shouldn't really have. All these thoughts pull us down. The the adversities we face pull us down. The temptations we face, they pull us down. The, 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 The broken promises, they pull us down. But no matter what, if you can be consistent, just keep chugging along with your faith. I can tell you that one day your faith will outlive what you can see. Because the bones of Joseph, on the day when Moses and the children of Israel marched out of the land of Egypt, the Bible says they carried the bones of Joseph with them. And his greatest moment of faith wasn't something that we could see. Because a lot of us in here can see this chair and have faith in the chair, that when we sit on the chair, the chair won't collapse. But when we sit on the chair, it'll hold us up. So without any doubt, we sit on that chair. But some of us, even though we have faith in Jesus initially, we lose our faith somewhere along the way. There's some doubt in our mind. But can I tell you and encourage you today to have persistent faith like Joseph? Because there will come a time in your life where you will be faced with success, adversity, Temptation, broken promises, so many more things. But have the faith enough, the same faith that took you to find Jesus. Have the faith enough to keep going that one day there will be an eternity that outlives you. There will be a legacy that outlives you. Have the faith enough to believe that the promises of God over your life are yes and amen because it will happen it will come to pass and as a matter of fact there's a scripture that says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns and so if you don't believe anything else you can count your bottom dollar on that That God wants us to live in the grace that he has saved you through. And so today, I want us to encourage and be persistent in our faith in whatever area of our life that is necessary, whatever area of our life that is needed. Even if it comes to salvation or any goal or whatever it is that you want, have persistent faith. Because the grace of God is with you. Amen. Amen.